Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is Corey Willis with PVI, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. This is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Cass from Diesel Doctor of Tennessee, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the number one diesel truck podcast on iTunes. Today we're talking about something that everyone's going to find interesting, no matter what either part you're looking for or part of the industry that you're in, and that's the term billet. And today we're going to be chatting with the owner of Precision Converters, and he's going to be telling us about what billet is specifically because he's got hands-on experience with it with what they do with their torque converters and other components the different materials that you can use which materials are good in different applications and how that all fits together into the diesel aftermarket so we know you guys are going to love this episode we wanted to let you know before we get to it about our patreon page we had been asked for quite a long time from a lot of our fans out there is hey how can i help you guys so we created different tiers and uh, if you guys are looking for a way to support the podcast, help us out, you buy us a coffee while we're editing episodes late at night, just go to Patreon and search the Diesel Podcast. You'll find the tiers there. If there's any suggestions that you guys have for either different giveaways or different things that you'd like to see, just let us know. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, or you can email us at info at thedieselpodcast.com. All right, let's get to the podcast with Terry from Precision Converters talking about billet, talking about torque converters, and tons of other things related to diesel performance. Terry, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast. I'm excited to to chat with you today and ask you a bunch of different questions about installing torque converters and then kind of getting into the nuts and bolts, so to speak, of the internals and you know, what the word billet really means when it comes to a converter. Sure, fine. Glad to talk to you, Patrick. It, this is a it's kind of a series of questions that we've gotten from, I'd say mostly installers because they're doing it all the time, but also just some truck guys out there that like to work on their own trucks and it's specifically you know with the converter one of them that we get is should i pre-fill the torque converter when i install it or does it need to be pre-filled or or you know what 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 should they do in that situation so i wanted to ask you what does precision recommend when they get you know guy gets a brand new converter do they need to pre-fill it or can they just install it in the truck and you know once they turn the key to on you know the pump's going and it just fills it up Okay, well, why don't we, I'll go through the whole procedure of installing a converter. How's that? That works perfect. Okay, number one, before you install any converter, brand new converter, uh, you should probably pour a quart of transmission oil into the impeller hub. That will lube the bearings and everything, especially if the converter is installed dry. That would be the first thing we do on an install. Okay. The second thing is, with the transmission out of the vehicle, if you have it out, let's say it's a fresh rebuild and you have it out of the, out of the transmission, the correct way to install a torque converter is to stand the converter on the tail housing. Having a helper hold the trans, gravity will install a converter for you. That way you can make sure it's all the way on. 
you can rotate the converter and gravity will it'll drop down the two splines and into the the uh, the pump gear with no problem the problem is that when you get ready to put it on a transmission jack you have to be careful that the converter does not slide forward and come out of the pump gears you just have to make sure of that now if the transmission you're going to install a converter with it in the the vehicle and let's just say a lot of guys do because they have a transfer case hooked on the back and it's sitting on a transmission jack and you just you, you don't want to mess with taking it off and removing the transfer case you can install the converter this way but you have to be really careful first of all gravity is fighting against you when you get it on the the input shaft and stator support the front of the converter the pilot side of the converter is going to want to sag so what you're going to have to do is pick up the converter with the pilot and slowly rotate it and make sure you get it all the way in through the first two splines and into the pump gear. Now how do we check this to see if we've got it in all the way? Well, you can check the distance from the bell housing, transmission bell housing surface down to the pad that would touch the flex plate. This dimension needs, needs to be approximately one and a eighth of an excuse me, an inch and a sixteenth. If that measurement is less than one inch, the converter is not all the way in, installed into the front pump. It may be on the splines, but it's not installed in the pump all the way. And if the converter is not installed correctly, this will cause catastrophic front pump and torque converter impeller damage. After you get it installed and you're going to put the transmission up to the back of the engine, once you get the transmission up and touching the back of the engine, the converter should rotate freely by hand after the transmission bell housing is flush with the back of the block and never use the bolts to pull it up against the back of the block. If, it, if that's necessary, you probably don't have the transmission in the front pump. It should just slide right up on over the dowels, up, you know, flush with the back of the block, and then when you can reach in and, and rotate the converter, you know you're in correctly, you've got it installed correctly. And after you get the transmission bolted to the back of the engine, you want to check the pull-up. That's what I mean if when the converter is all the way installed in the transmission. After you've got it bolted to the back of the engine, you should be able to pull the converter forward at least 80 thousandths of an inch, but no more than 187 thousandths. If it gets more than 187 thousandths, you're going to have to use washers, uh, equal thickness washers, to keep it from pulling forward more than 187 thousandths. If, if, if you don't, it's going to want to pull the pump, the uh, impeller out of the front pump and causing damage. The next thing on the install is you want to install all the converter bolts by hand. You put them all in by hand. After you get them all in, then torque them all to 30 foot-pounds. If you put one bolt and get it started, and you don't happen to get it started on the starting hole, which is on most bell housings have, 
what will happen is as you put the bolts in, you won't be able to get some of them in because the bolts will not line up with the holes in the flex plate. Now, a lot of guys, I've seen a lot of guys do this. They try and get it started, and then they pull them in with an impact. And what that does, it destroys the threads in the converter, and we have to start all over. But after you get everything installed and you think you've got it installed correctly, make sure you have transmission oil and a funnel to immediately start putting fluid in the trans as soon as the engine starts. This will help prevent impeller hub damage. Before you do this, you're automatically going to put at least six or eight quarts in the trans before you start the engine. But even after you have that much oil in the the transmission, the problem is you've got an empty converter that holds about four quarts. So as the engine starts, it's going to want to fill the converter and the impeller hub and bushing are going to run dry. So make sure that you immediately start adding fluid as soon as the engine started to prevent damage. And that's uh, that's what I you know recommend on doing an install in a converter. There's a lot of good tips in there too because it, it, we, we'll hear stories or just even reading or just being around you know shops and people doing stuff in their trucks is we'll hear well the pump seal is leaking and they get the transmission installed and then it's like they got to pull it back out and that's time and labor but if they take the time like you mentioned at the start to make sure it's seated you know correctly then you just avoided a few hours of work or even more and you know having to put a a pump seal in and if you install it incorrectly you're going to be doing more than putting a pump seal in you're going to be removing the pump out of the trans and replacing the pump pump because the converter the pump gear bolts have broken and when you go to start it up all that stuff gets bound up inside tearing the pocket that's inside the front pump to pieces and destroying the hub on the impeller the impeller hub on the on the uh, converter which that's going to be really costly because now you're going to have to send the converter back to the person that build it and have a new hub put on it. Plus, if you're not a transmission expert, you're going to have to haul the transmission down to the transmission shop and have them put a new pump in it uh, because the pump is going to be severely damaged. And that's, you know, that's what I mean by catastrophic failure. Yeah. It's going to be time-consuming, and it's going to be very expensive. All you've got to do is take a little bit of time and do the steps that are required, and you'll never have a problem installing converters uh, in the transmissions and getting them installed behind the engine correctly. I think the fluid level and and filling it as the truck, well, before the truck starts, and then while it's idling there in the bay is also really important as well, especially making sure, you know, when it says full, it's really at full because there's... Oh, yeah, that... that that's correct. You know, before you before you do anything, once you get the transmission installed, like I said before, put 68 quarts in the pan. You know, most diesels hold around 12 for 13, 14 quarts. But if you you know if you try to pour 8 to 10 quarts in the trans before the engine started, now it's probably going to start bleeding out the air vent and making a mess. So put about 68 quarts in it and get ready. 
with your oil and your funnel. And as soon as the engine starts, start pouring oil in. And what you want to do is you want to fill it to the full line, run it through the gears, take it out on a road test, come back and recheck the oil at the level. Uh, and make sure that it's at the full mark. After, you know, once you've done this, you're ready to roll. You know, you're yeah. ready to go. Yeah, sometimes there's there's some stories or you know, we'll get messages from people and they'll say, you know, I've had been having issues with my transmission and it's like, well, how much fluid have you been putting in it? And it's under what's recommended and that just causes a whole, like it damages the whole thing. Not just, the, you know, the converter, but also the transmission. And then it's, yeah, it's it's really expensive to fix that. So just, like you said, taking a little bit of time and, and following those steps can help a lot of the, the shop owners that are out there, but also the guys who work on their truck and maybe, you know, they, they get the transmission and converter and they're just installing it themselves. So, so that's some, some good information. Yeah. There's, there's no rule of thumb of how many quarts of trans holes because your transmission may have an aftermarket uh, uh, pan that holds more than stock. The other thing is the converter that you're using, you know, may take more oil in it, you know, it's definitely if it's if, if it's a multi-disc converter, it's going to take more oil than the stock converter. So, looking in the, the owner's manual and say, oh, it takes 12 quarts, that doesn't mean anything because a, a multi-disc converter uh, will take approximately two to two and a half more quarts than what the factory specs call for. So the best way to do it is to fill it until it's, the dipstick says full. Now the dipstick when on the full mark is right, when the oil level is on the full mark on the dipstick, that means the oil is level with the pan rail. So uh, if you have a dipstick that you're not sure whether it's accurate, accurate or not, uh, you want to fill the trans, uh, full and if you're worried about it, loosen the pan and see as, as you loosen whether the oil comes out around the gasket. If it does, then it's full. If it doesn't, that means your dipstick is not correct, and it, you know it should be altered so that it, it you know that the level meets uh, the specs. Now you can do this by putting the dipstick in the transmission before you uh, before you ever install it with the pan removed and look and see where the full mark is. The full mark should be right even with the pan rail. The pan rail is the part where the pan bolts up to the case. That way you make sure you have the correct oil fill. The second thing is a lot of guys say, well, I've, you know, I've got it full. Let me put another quarter or two in it just to be safe. The problem with that is once you overfill it, now you've got the drums and everything running in the oil, causing it to foam uh, because it's just it's foaming the oil in the inside. And it's got to go somewhere. Yeah, that uh, I've heard that a few times. Overfilling it is isn't good either. <laughs> either it has to be right on, can't be under or over, or there's problems that happen. And with the bolts, some guys will they'll lock tight them. Do you need to Loctite the converter bolts, or are they designed in a way where you don't need that as long as it's torqued to the, the proper specification? You, you, you should 
uh, use Loctite on, you know, just to make sure, mm -hmm. especially in diesel applications because of the engine pulses vibrating everything. But if you torque them to 30 foot-pounds, 30 to 35 foot-pounds, they will not they will not come loose. If they come loose, it's because you didn't your torque wrench is off, or they didn't get torqued. They just got tightened hand tight. But I always recommend using Loctite. Should they use red Loctite or blue? Yeah, use the red. It's fine. Okay. This kind of leads into another question. I was just thinking about when we were talking about the converter, and I admittedly I'm I'm confused a little bit on it as well. But you guys make so many parts, you know exactly you know what's going into the converter, and you're specifying them and machining them and doing them all in house. But we hear the term billet a lot, and it's all over the automotive world. But specifically with a converter and the cover and the other parts you're, you're using, and just kind of jumping into the technical side of it, is how important is the material that you're using? Why do you pick that material? What does it do for, one, maintaining the tolerances, which we've chatted about before on the podcast, how important those are, um, and just making sure that product that they get it, that it's, you know, it's, it's going to perform and, and last and, and do what they need to do. But I really want to jump into the material side of it and just kind of pick your brain a little bit and, and get some insights into that. Well, you know, a lot of the people in the industry are not going to like what I say. Billet, there's nothing secret about billet. Billet is just a piece of bar stock, whether it's a steel or aluminum. It's just a regular old piece of bar stock. That's all it is. There's nothing secret. There's nothing special about billet. You know, the, the, the name billet, you know, in the industry is an old wives' tale that it suggests that it's something special. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's nothing special. It's just a piece of bar stock. You know, if you, you know, if you buy a two-inch diameter piece of steel bar stock, let's say uh, 1018 or 1045, and you cut off the piece that you're going to machine a part of, yep, that's billet, but that's all it is. The term billet, you know, is a misnomer. It's just a piece of bar stock. And if you don't believe me, Google it. Go Google the word billet. Nothing special. You know, the industry, for some reason, years ago, tried to pull the wool over a customer's eyes. Oh, this is billet. This is special. You know, billet is just metal that the parts are machined from, period. Now, there are different grades of bar stock. There's, you know, 1018, 1045, 4130, 4140. Uh, you know, raging, you know, uh, 300M, raging 300, uh, ink canal, all that, you know, all the different kinds uh, of uh, bar stock. And all of it can be called billet. It's just bar stock that you machine parts of. And that's what's so refreshing to hear, and I know our listeners are going to appreciate that, is that term is everywhere. And, and sometimes I'll read something or I see something and it's, I, I think one of the biggest ones is, well, I've got like a full billet transmission. 
well, what's full billet mean? Like, what is it? Well, what are we talking about? Are we talking about the shafts? Are we talking about the converter? Are we talking about the cover, the stator, you know, all those sorts of things. And, and I'm inquisitive. And, and so my mind goes to, well, what is the material? Why did they choose it? And with a precision converter, that's what I wanted to ask you about the cover and the other parts you guys are doing is when someone buys a converter, what, what are they getting? And why did you guys pick, say, that certain type of steel or aluminum? to be able to make that converter? Some converter manufacturers use bar stock, which is you know what they call a billet. They use that to machine their stators and their front covers. And that's all well and good. Other converter builders buy castings from the Chinese to make their covers. Uh, cover castings are totally inferior due to the porosity they think can have and the uneven density, which make them very, very hard to balance. So if you run across a, a casting uh, cover used on a, on a converter, I would recommend staying as far away from that as you can, you can get. We use only high-quality forgings for our converter covers, our impeller hubs, our turbine hubs, our input shafts, our flex plates, our clutch drivers, our forward drums, our intermediate shafts, and our stator races. You know, forgings are far superior to bar stock, or what the industry calls billet, or castings. Mm-hmm. Unlike, unlike bar stock or castings, the grain in forgings follow the shape of the material, making it extremely stronger, while the grain in a bar stock is only in one direction, and in castings, who knows what direction it's in. It was, by machining with forgings, it saves machining time and it saves material waste, allowing for the cost to be passed on to the customer. And that's why we use only high-quality forgings, period. You'd mentioned balancing, and, and it was just a question that popped into my head right now, <laughs> is if a converter is out of balance, which is in a way relating to what we're talking about with the a, a casting on a front cover or something like that. What is the what does the truck owner feel if the converter's out of balance? Well, number one, the converter has to be balanced. The total converter, I mean, a total rotating mass, has but has to have no more than twelve grams uh, out of balance. If it has more than twelve grams, you can feel it as idle, shaking the truck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, our converters leave here with no more than four grams. The factory, um, you know, allows them up to 10 to 12 grams. But you can tell, um, if you look at a converter and it has no weights on it at all, either, you know, everything has been balanced internally in the converter or it hasn't been balanced at all. And... What we do is we balance the turbine and the clutch together, and we balance the impeller separately, and we balance the cover separately. So as we match all of these together, putting a little bit of out-of-balance on one side of the converter compared to the other side of the converter, sometimes we can get away with no balances. But usually we end up with around a 5-gram weight on just just to get it down to zero as close as we can. 
the balance balance is critical absolutely critical i remember i had a a friend once that had he just bought a truck and it it, i think it had an aftermarket transmission it was a 48 re and the thing would just kind of shake at idle and it, it was like there's a, a million different directions, you know, you could go with it. What, what What's making it do it? Is it the engine? Is it the, you know, converter? All these different things. And it ended up being the, the converter. I, I don't I, I don't know anything about the build or what it was, but I, I, I know that's a question that can kind of pop up a little bit, especially after, you know, a, a, a new transmission install, new converter, things like that. And I think the balancing can be overlooked in you know the performance side of things or the aftermarket from the consumer standpoint is why is this important and even what we talked about with the materials and and you know what what is billet and the different kinds of material that are out there is why it's so important in in a way like you know with a converter as a truck owner we don't necessarily think about it that much but we're feeling it every mile that we drive whether we're towing, daily driving, racing, whatever it is, and how important it is in the performance of the vehicle and the driving experience. And there can be so much confusion out there, I think because it's a very complex part and there's so much involved in it. But it, it's it's refreshing to be able to you know sit down with you and ask you these questions about it. So whether it's a shop or an individual that, that is, uh, you know, putting in a converter they know what to ask they know what to expect they know how to get it installed properly and make it as seamless as possible to get into the truck and then enjoy it yeah well you know a lot of guys that do oem type converters and they mark the converter before they cut it open to make sure that they put the weight back in in the right place now that weight is there for two reasons that weight if the converter is a little bit out of round, it's going to require weight on one side. If they put it back together correctly and it's not out of round, let's say it's within four or five thousandths run out, now that weight has got to be cut off and rebalanced because if you put it back together, you're going to end up with an out-of-balance converter. Now, aftermarket parts that are made from bar stock or forgings or whatever, uh, you know, a lot of guys look at these things and say, well, hey, the cover was made on a CNC machine, blah, blah, blah. What they don't realize is that a lot of guys send parts out and have them furnace braced. Furnace brazing is done by taking a device that looks like a hypodermic needle and putting the flux in all the cracks and all the holes and then it's run through about 1,200 degrees to melt it all together. The problem is if the person putting the flux on is sloppy, okay, that flux will melt melt down and it'll be heavy on one side. So now you're going to have to rebalance it, you know, to start with. So there's a multitude of reasons why you have to balance a converter. And a lot of guys, you know, I don't know whether they don't have balancers or they think it's a waste of time because it's not you know it's not easy to balance a multi-disc converter due to the heavy weight of the clutches and dragging on the inside it's not easy and a lot of guys just say well that's close enough let's ship it out the door mm-hmm. but you know it you know 
it, that's not the correct way to do it. They may get away with it, and then again, they may not. So, you know, it's it's all it's all up to them. I know one thing: ours leave here balanced. Well, it's really important because it gets a big risk. Like as a as a truck owner, is if I'm going to order something and have somebody install it or do it myself, I don't want. I don't want any guesswork. You don't want to have to take it back out, (laughs) especially the guys trying to do it in their driveway. My God, that's a day's work, and then to turn around and have to take it back out, you know, that's terrible. Yeah, that's when when people get upset. (laughs) Yeah. I really don't recommend anybody doing that because it's very, very dangerous. You know, you've got a six or 7,000-pound truck, that you got up on blocks or on stands or whatever, and one mistake, you know, and you got a, a you know, 150 to 200 pound trans and a 100 pound transfer case on your chest, you know, yeah. and in a heartbeat, and you're dead. So uh, I don't recommend doing it in your driveway. Uh, you know, pay the extra money and have a professional do it. Because let's face it, if he screws up the install, you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it's that, that, that's a really good point too about the safety of it. Where you know, you take it to a shop, it's on a lift. There's, it's you know, a transmission. Um, you're able to support the transmission in the the transfer case and all that sort of stuff. Versus on a driveway, it's totally different. We, you know, I hear this every once in a while about, you know, uh, a truck being up on on blocks. They had it in park, okay, and all of a sudden they they uh, take everything loose. They take the driveland loose, and all of a sudden now the truck starts to roll. You know, and if you're underneath this thing, you don't have time to get out of it. Yeah. Because once that six or 7,000-pound vehicle starts rolling, you know, and you try to get out from underneath it, it's liable to roll over your leg and break it. You know, who knows? So, you know, these things are so heavy and so cumbersome. And when you try to do it on the ground, and, you you know, whether you have a, 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 a transmission jack or you got it on a floor jack with blocks, and you try to bring it up against the back of the engine, odds are that that converter is going to want to slide forward. And if it slides forward, it's out of the pump. And now you've wrestled it and wrestled it, and you get it up to the back of the block, and let's put some bolts in it, and let's let's take a ratchet or our impact, and let's pull it up against it. But well, once you've done that, you destroy the impeller hub and the front pump. Now you've got to start all over and spend a lot of money. You know, for years I was in the transmission business and the torque converter business. I'm, we only do specialty torque converters now. But... Uh, I, you you, you kind of see everything. Yeah. You know, you, you know, a truck comes in or a car comes in on a chain, you know, uh, with a transmission in the trunk, and then now they want you to fix it, but they want you to do it for for peanuts, and that, and then that's just you know, it's 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 not my fault that it got it, you know it got the condition it's in. It's your fault. And but but. Uh, I, 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 and 
after 35 years of this, I've seen it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's well. There's a there's a lot of a lot of feedback that we get, and and just conversations we have with with listeners out there, and they're all. Yeah, some of them are business owners, shop owners. Some of them are, are guys that like to do as much work as they can, and and we've had those those questions pop up about the you know the billet and how to make sure we don't damage the pump or the converter during install. And there's some really good insights and tips. And I had to uh, kind of ask about the the fluid fill because I know that's <laughs> at different times. You know, guy will be like, "Oh, it was totally full," and then the transmission and converter get toasted, and it, it wasn't because it just didn't get up to operating temperature, it wasn't driven, and and just you know checking those things out will ensure we spend a lot, you know, th- these big amounts of money on something. That yeah, just just take your time, take your time and double check, you know, double check, double check, double check. That's you know that's what the guys in the trans shop do. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have they have systems. Their R&R people have systems. You know, they, they double-check and triple-check, you know, cooler lines, that the converter's in property, you know, that they, they drive shaft to center support's correct, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing I, I'd kind of like to dwell on about when we get, let's get back to the billet thing here a little bit. Yeah. You know, uh, you know a lot of guys that do staters, and covers, you know, they use billets, uh, which is, you know, uh, bar stock. Now, for our staters, uh, we don't use bar stock because it takes up too much time. We, our steel and aluminum staters are investment cast, which saves machine time and material waste. Uh, the investment casting designs can be altered quickly to a simple change in the die shape saving time and machine time. You know, investment castings can be made a really high volume while machining one from bar stock or a billet, as everybody calls it, can take upwards of hours. Um, and the problem is, is that uh, when you, unless you use five axis, most guys use four axis, the shape of the blade on the stator uh, is not correct. There's a reason if you take a look at a stock stator why one side of it looks like an airplane wing and the other side doesn't. You know, this this is there for a reason. You know, the 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 factory people, the factory engineers, are not stupid. They if they didn't have to do it, let me tell you, it would save them pennies on millions of pieces, and and they would quit doing it. But uh, that's that's why we use. Investment casting, we use our five-axis machine to design prototypes, and we test it in our test mule to make sure everything is right the way we want it. Once we get it uh, where we want it, then we have a die made, and we investment cast those. And uh, that's the way, you know, instead of using bar stock, that's, that's the way we do our staters. This is some good insights. It, it, it's what uh, I think jumping into the details of these different components is what I love. I know our listeners love it is this, we get hit with marketing all the time, you know, where we get like the catchphrases or just the real kind of simple explanations. But there's so much that goes into these, like into a converter with what material you're choosing, how it's being machined, um, the balancing that we talked about. 
Um, I know in some other episodes we've talked about the the, the multi-disc uh, clutches and all those sorts of things. And there's a thirst for that knowledge and, and wanting to to know more about how this works. How does it relate to ultimately driving the vehicle? And and uh, that's what's so cool to be able to ask you these questions and, and you know chat about the converters and, and learn more about them. Yeah, well, torque converters, when you first cut one open, they look really simple. you got an impeller, you got a turbine, you got a stator, some bearings, and if it's a lockup, you have a clutch and some a clutch lining and a front cover, and everybody looks at it and says, oh, well, this, this thing is pretty simple. But in reality, they're not. A lot of things depend on how the torque converter works. And a lot of people have no idea how the converter works. What they do is they open up a competitor's converter and, and they use, you know, a lot of guys just copy it and say, oh, well, yeah, now I'm the converter expert. That, that isn't the way it works. I learned converter technology when I worked at Chevrolet Research and Development. We went through a lot of different designs and I learned a lot about transmissions and torque converters. But just to say on the impeller, you know, a lot of guys will take a, a, a converter that, and they want it tighter, so they crank the veins, you know, to 45 to 50, you know, degrees positive, which what it does is just aggravates a big problem. It makes a heat pump out of the converter because when you bend those veins from like 30 degrees positive to 55 degrees positive, now the clearance between those blades and the turbine is, you know, is a lot greater than it was when it was 30 degrees. At 30 degrees, you might have had 100 to 125 thousandths clearance. You bend those veins positive, now you've got 250 to 300 uh, thousandths clearance between the uh, turbine and the impeller. And for every 80 thousandths of clearance, you increase the stall speed. So what you're doing is you're, you're really kind of defeating your own purpose. You're making a heat pump out of it, plus you're not getting the desired qual uh, what you're what you're after. <clears throat> and uh, a lot of guys are horse around with the turbine, uh, which is a total waste of time. You know, again, the factory engineers are not stupid. Uh, they've got it designed so that the uh, hydraulic energy is changed into mechanical energy with the hook shape that's in the vein in the turbine. And when that turbine oil comes <clears throat> out of the turbine, it's going backwards to rotation. So that's why we need a stator. We need a stator to turn the flow around to the direction that the converter is rotating. When it does this, it exits out of the stator and pushes on the back side of the impeller, which is where we get our torque multiplication from. A lot of guys, to, <clears throat> to get higher stall, they're going to kill the torque multiplication. So they cut the veins off on the impeller side, and all that does is generate more heat. Because now, instead of the oil flowing through the stator in a direction of flow, it's flowing straight through the, the stator, and as the impeller turns, it's shearing the oil, generating massive amounts of heat. So it may be okay going down the road when the, the converter clutch is locked up, but in town driving without the converter clutch locked up, 
that's where you start seeing temperatures of 250, 275, 300 degrees, and you can't figure out why. <clears throat> it's because the uh, design of the converter has been altered in such a way that, uh, you know, it's, it's defeating its own purpose. There's so many things there that, well, we did, uh, I chatted with Cass from Chode Engineering recently, and he was telling me about in his shop, he likes to do this thing where before the truck's diagnosed with whatever it's in for, he likes to try to figure it out beforehand. Just, I think, to test himself and just to, you know, see, hey, can I, you know, figure out what what has happened inside this engine before we even get the head off of it. And I was thinking about some of the things you're saying there with, like, the heat and different symptoms that people will talk about with their torque converter transmission, the truck, that right there is where you can almost diagnose it. And I think that's where a lot of the questions come from with shop owners and, and truck owners is, well, the, the, the transmission's running hot. Well, now we have to ask, well, what's done with the converter? What was changed? How was it altered? Like you mentioned, where it can be that you try to achieve this goal, but if you don't do it the right way, you're basically just building heat in it. Um, or why is there this vibration at idle? Why is when I put it in drive and I'm just starting to take off, I get this shake. Well, there's so many parts of the converter that if they're not done right, are going to show these symptoms. And with the information that, 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 that you're giving about it and, and educating us is we can see almost what the issue is before, you know, pulling the transmission out or, you know, going through a lot of time and labor and money and, and that relationship between the two. And, and that's what's really important about the converter and what we're talking about is if it's not done right, you're going to have a bunch of these other issues. And I, I know there's people who spend a lot of money trying to figure out why is the transmission running hot and they might not look to the converter till the very end or they, you know, just got something, didn't ask any questions, threw it in there, and, you know, now it's running 220, 230 degrees, and that's going to be an issue eventually. Yes, well, you know, um, a lot of guys that install big turbos need a converter that will stall up easier. And a lot of torque converter builders try to take the Cummins-type converter and alter it so that you can get you know high stall out of it. This is virtually impossible. The uh, impeller in a Cummins is about 50 degrees positive. Plus, it's all furnace braced. So there's nothing, if you go to try to alter the veins, you start ripping the veins, and then you're going to have to go in and try and TIG weld them. The other thing is, is that the torus, which is the turbine, the torus in the turbine, to make clearance for the clutch, what Borg Warner and Chrysler decided to do was to make the turbine flat, and it loses its its uh, capability of generating high speed so that it can do, you know, it can have more torque multiplication through the stator. So therefore, the, the Cummins converter is strictly a low-stall, low-torque multiplication converter, and there's nothing you can do with it. We don't use 
a Cummins converter to make high stall. We use a different converter. Uh, we don't use any Cummins parts in that converter or in any high stall Duramax or um, power stroke. Uh, we make the converter. The customer comes to us and asks, I think I need this or I think that. We take the information and then over, you know, 25, 30 years of experience, we build what it think it will work. And sometimes we, you know, 90% of times we hit it, sometimes we don't. That's why, ha that's why we have a free stall change. Now, the old wives' tale is similar to the billet wives' tale, that every diesel needs a low stall converter. This is absolutely not true. An inline six tractor motor like the Cummins is, let me tell you, a low stall converter is a sweetheart in that in that particular application. But when you go to a V8, like in a Duramax or a Power Stroke, you put a Cummins converter in that particular application, to convert a Cummins stall converter, you have the biggest dog away from a stop sign that you ever can imagine. I've driven them where you want to open the door and put your foot out and help push it to get it away from the stop sign. <laughs> so you should talk to a, a you know a converter builder that is knowledgeable with these. You know every McDonald employee is an expert on diesels on the internet. And you know that's the last place you should look for advice. You know you don't you 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 know you don't go to a tile layer and ask if you need a penicillin shot. It's just the same way. You don't go to somebody that's learned all there is to know on the internet. And of course, the internet is all true. You go to a professional that makes these things and develops these things. He's going to do the try to do the best job he can for you. Because he doesn't want a, a you know a customer that's upset, or to see the thing come back, and uh, so that's that's my advice to anybody that's buying a converter, and make sure that whoever you deal with knows what they're talking about. You know, it's just you know you can you can talk to a guy and say he can give you a line of bull or whatever, but you know intelligent customers can see through a lot of this by asking questions you know if you want a high stall diesel converter what core do you use if i've got a, a power stroke you know do you use the cummins core I, you know what do you do to it um you know and what kind of stall do you think i can get out of it our high stall converters uh for the diesels you know if if it's very easy for us to get 4,500 to 5,000 stall for the guys that shift their their diesels at 6,500 or so. And it's also easy for us to to uh, make a converter stall at 16, 17, 1800 also. But that isn't for V8 diesel engines. Period. And then when you start putting bigger turbos on it. You know, you move the power band up so you have less low end. So you're sure as heck not going to want a tighter converter. You want something that where it can get up on the turbo and, uh, you know, make boost. 
Simple as that. I think this episode definitely helped, I think, answer some questions, but then also help the people out there ask the right ones, you know, as well. So it, this is a really informative podcast and I'm sure there's going to be a ton of other questions I have <laughs> for you some other time based on it, but it, it's, it's just so cool to be able to chat about what makes these things work and how they can work well or not work well and what, what, you know, we need to ask. Well, you know, it, you know, we're here. We're not going anywhere. Uh, if anybody, you know, wants more information, you can call one of my sales staff, Jack or Todd, and they'd be glad to, to help you out. You know, just they're going to ask you questions about your truck, about the engine, about everything, and kind of give you a recommendation of what we think will work. And uh, it doesn't cost you a thing. You know, give us a call. And, uh, it, you know, the uh, our 800 number is uh, 800-649-7866. And just ask one of the, for one of the sales staff. And we'd be glad to answer any questions you have. Well, we appreciate your time today, Terry, and your expertise as always. And Yeah, it's great talking to you, Patrick. And, and thank you. I appreciate it. Don't forget, Diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Patreon. Search the Diesel Podcast. Check out the different levels that we have. There's different giveaways and kind of insider information that we can give you guys for the podcast and, and including you guys in it as well. So if there's a segment or questions that you guys specifically want us to ask a guest, you can share those with us and then we can work them into episodes. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.